Coming up, diving into Merrill Kelly's struggles against the Dodgers this season, what does Alec Thomas have to improve on, and so much more on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We are also on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. So don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. We're on all your podcasting platforms, of course. And on today's show, I just want to start off with a little little Merrill Kelly discussion because I guess it wouldn't be as timely by the time you guys are listening to this because D-backs have already played a doubleheader by the time this comes out. But I just kind of want to dive into the struggles of Merrill Kelly versus the Dodgers this season because I feel for my guy Merrill Kelly. He goes out there. He's basically been a Cy Young candidate across the entire Major League Baseball Association. Who's ever Merrill Kelly, whoever Merrill Kelly has faced this year, Excuse me, I had to burp real quick. Kelly has dominated, except for the Dodgers, because Kelly, against the entire Major League Baseball, 2-3-8 year array. That's against everyone in baseball, except for the Dodgers, because against the Dodgers, Merrill Kelly has an 8-2-5 year array against the Dodgers, 2-3-8 year array against everyone else. So it's like, why does Merrill Kelly struggle so much more against the Dodgers as opposed to everyone else? Well, one, I mean, uh, this is obvious, right? The Dodgers are loaded in their lineup, like completely loaded. I mean, how many MVP candidates do they have? From the Moogie Betts to the Freddie Freemans to the Trey Turners, they even got guys like Cody Bellinger who are not very good anymore, still former MVP. So their lineup is loaded, of course, but it's more than that for Merrill Kelly. If you really dive deep into the numbers, it's more than that. And for Merrill Kelly, he's someone that we know wants to get that monkey off his back against the Dodgers. He knows how good of a season he's having. Merrill Kelly's having a career year. Like we said with those numbers, if he if you take his numbers and just took away the Dodgers, Merrill Kelly would be top three Cy Young candidate. It would be a real discussion. Him or Zach Gallen, who has been the best D-backs pitcher this year, but because of these games against the Dodgers, um, I think the discussion's a little bit easier. And this is a, a quote directly from Merrill Kelly after yesterday's game. I thought it was pretty funny in reference to his struggles against the Dodgers. It's like having a big brother you keep wrestling, and every time he taps you out. I know that I can compete with them. It's when you start getting cooked. It's it's when you start getting crooked numbers and deep innings against a team like that is when you start getting beat. I feel like I throw competitive games against them, but I just need to do a better job of damage control. I think I would agree with that Merrill Kelly uh, little soliloquy, little speech he had. Um, in full, because if you look at the Merrill Kelly starts against the Dodgers the last couple years, it's really not a lot of terrible starts. Like, 
that's a lot of starts where he goes like five or six innings and then gives up three or four three or four earned runs. He's doing a good job of not giving up the huge outpouring of scoring games. Now, he did do that against the Dodgers one time this season where he gave up eight earned runs. But for the most part, Merrill Kelly has been solid against the Dodgers. There are some pretty terrible starts, but he's not. it's not like every start Merrill Kelly's giving up six earned runs and just pitching three innings and only going three innings like there's a lot of those starts where he might give up four earned runs but he's at least going to go five or six for you and that's what you got respect for Merrill Kelly because that's what he did a lot in 2021 the ERA wasn't great in 2021 but he was one of the best workhorses in the National League and I really respect that from Merrill Kelly his last 11 innings of course for Kelly have come against the Dodgers and we saw his ERA Raised from a 294 to a 315. A 315 is still not bad at all, but this was a sub three guy um, before facing the Dodgers over his last two starts. And I just feel bad for him because he's given up 66 runs in total in 2022. Merrill Kelly, that is. 22 of them have come against the Dodgers in just 24 innings pitch. That means 44 runs have come against the other 160 innings pitch against all the rest of Major League Baseball. So, The Dodgers really do have Merrill Kelly's numbers this season. Against the Dodgers this year, 330 average allowed, over 1,000 OPS allowed this season with 17 extra base hits, over five starts, and three of the six shortest outings this season have come against the Dodgers. We know Merrill Kelly is a workhorse, but even though I say he usually goes five or six innings against the Dodgers, still three of his six shortest have come come against the Dodgers this year. Two of the other three have come against Pittsburgh Pirates, which I think is just really interesting. But two of the three highest earned run games this year have also come against the Dodgers when he allowed eight earned runs back in like June, I believe. And then when he allowed five earned runs last night, last night was one of the two of the three worst starts by Merrill Kelly this season. So it hasn't been that bad because if you want a quick fun fact on Merrill Kelly on Merrill Kelly's season, he's only given up more than three earned runs six times this year. He's given up four earned runs three times, five earned runs twice, and eight earned runs one time. So Merrill Kelly, for the most part, is going to be three runs or less. That's why he has a 3-1-5 ERA this year. And For Merrill Kelly, the reason why I think he has that kind of quote where he's like, yeah, I feel like I'm throwing competitive games. I just got to limit damage control. When you look at Merrill Kelly's 2021 season, he was very effective against the Dodgers last year. Here are four starts Merrill Kelly had against the Dodgers last year. One start, 4.2 innings pitched, four earned runs. Okay, that one's not good. Didn't go very deep, gave up four earned runs. That's not very good. But listen to these other three starts against the Dodgers for Merrill Kelly in 2021. It wasn't even that great in 2021, but listen to these other three starts against the Dodgers. 6.1 innings pitch, three earned runs, and six strikeouts in one start. innings pitch and one earned run in another, and seven innings pitch, three earned runs, and 12 strikeouts in another start. Merrill Kelly has been affected before against the Dodgers, and I think back then in 2021, if you look at his pitch splits, basically what pitches he likes to throw, the changeup was not effective against the Dodgers this year. The changeup has been getting crushed against the Dodgers this season, but back in 2021, he threw the changeup less than any other pitch in his arsenal. The pitch he threw more than the changeup that was effective against the Dodgers in 2021, the curveball. It was like his third most used pitch against the Dodgers in 2021, while the changeup was the least used pitch. Curveball was great against the Dodgers in 2021. Changeup just wasn't even being used. This season, 
The changeup is like the third most used pitch from his arsenal, and it's gotten crushed. While the curveball is like the ye- is like the least used pitch. So maybe he needs to go back to using the curveball instead of the changeup against the Dodgers. And the other issue that Merrill Kelly faces against the Dodgers is the Dodgers have gone to Merrill Kelly early in these games. He just gets off to really bad starts against the Dodgers and kind of puts himself in a hole where he has to work himself back. He did that last night. I mean, I guess the time you guys are listening to this, he did that two nights ago. But he did that against the Dodgers in his most recent start. He get, He's given up earned runs in either the first or second inning in all starts against the Dodgers this season. And on the year, we know Merrill Kelly hasn't been a very good guy in the first two innings. He's got 4.5 ERA in the first inning this year and a 4.2 ERA in the second inning this year. So it's not a surprise to see that the Dodgers have jumped on Merrill Kelly early in these games. And when they have... The D-backs have had to kind of climb them, climb their way out, out of these holes. And the Dodgers pitching has basically just shut down this D-backs lineup in every game. So it's hard for the D-backs to beat the Dodgers when a lot of times they're starting off with two or three nothing deficits because their offense has struggled against the Dodgers while the Dodgers offense has just been teeing off early against Merrill Kelly. So it's been a double-edged sword against the Dodgers. Meanwhile, you look on the other side because the last two starts for Merrill Kelly, he's had to square off against Clayton Kershaw. And Kershaw has dominated the D-backs this season one earned run over his last 13 innings pitch against the D-backs with a 15 to 1 strikeout to walks strikeout to walk ratio only one extra base hit allowed during that time as well like Kershaw's career ERA is 2.7 against the D-backs and his curveball has been unhittable so we expect Merrill Kelly even though he's like 33 years old we expect him to be on this roster in this rotation for a couple more years and the D-backs ever want to climb out of third place in the NL West and actually want a chance of making the wild card and maybe even winning the division Merrill Kelly is someone who we really need to step up against the Dodgers we saw it in 2021 he needs to get back to that level against the Dodgers and if he can't do it I'm not afraid of proposing veteran rest days on the days Merrill Kelly scheduled to start against the Dodgers. It's probably not fair, but just throw out some random starter that day to get a crush against the Dodgers instead of Merrill Kelly because I want to preserve Merrill Kelly's ear ray for the Cy Young race. Now, we're going to talk about Alec Thomas and the improvements he needs to make with his bat. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Blue Chew because summer's winding down, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, blend chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. 
So if you could benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Now let's get back into the podcast because I want to talk a little bit about Alec Thomas because the Arizona Republic, Nick Picaro, just recently came out with an article detailing the struggles of Alec Thomas and how he's really been trying to work on his swing this year because the biggest thing that Alec Thomas and the hitting coach Joe Mather has talked about is just basically his timing with his swing and the kind of pitches he's choosing to go after. They need to work on his pitch selection because right now Thomas thinks his timing is a little bit off because really when you look at Thomas's first half versus second half splits, they are not very pretty in the second half of the season. He's got 219 average and a 540 OPS in the second half of the year. Thomas Started the season really strong. He had like a 280 average that first month of the year, like a 780 OPS. He looked like a quality offensive player. Last couple months, can't be can't the same can't be said for Thomas. I believe he entered Monday's game against the Dodgers. Oh, for his last 19 at the plate. So he's definitely someone that has been struggling since the second second half of the season. He's definitely seen the big league start to adjust to Thomas. So what does Thomas have to do? He has to start to adjust back to the big leagues because right now he's noticing a trend where pitchers are basically just attacking him on both edges of the strike zone of course every batter wants that pitch right down the middle but Thomas a young rookie they're not going to give him any easy pitches he was able to take advantage of a lot of the mistakes that you make in minor leagues but on the major league level these pitchers are different when you face the DeGroms the Scherzers the Verlanders of the world it's a different animal than when you face those minor league pitchers and Thomas is someone that has struggled a little bit adjusting to the major league level he's someone that needs to drive the ball definitely a little bit more he's a little bit of a slap hitter but I like his swing I think he has a strong repeatable swing pretty smooth pretty fluid so I'm not against Alec Thomas as a potential really good offensive player I don't think he's a superstar offensive player he's probably a 15 home run potential 20 stolen base kind of guy but really for Thomas I need him to be around a 290 to 300 hitter Thomas should be an above average major league hitter. He should be a guy that has 300 average and gets on base at a decent rate because of how good his contact numbers are. He should be a table setter type at the top of your lineup. And right now, pitch selection is something Thomas is really trying to lock in on because if you look at his numbers against the fastball this season, Alec Thomas has struggled really mightily against the fastball this year. And on the major league level, the one pitch you need to hit more than any other pitch is probably the fastball. It's the pitches. It's the pitch that's going to lead to the most hard contact, the most over the fence, extra base hits. It's the pitch that you need to crush if you're going to stay on the major league level. You got to be able to keep up with the fastballs of pitchers. Now I know pitchers are throwing harder than ever, but if you're a hitter that can't adjust to the new velocity of today's game, you're probably not going to have a very long career. And Alec Thomas this season against the fastball below 200 average against it with the with the worst whiff percentage and put away percentage among all pitches he's seen this year so 
The fastball is definitely something he's not good at. He's also not great at off-speed pitches, but I first want to work on the fastball because if you're not good against a fastball and you're not good against off-speed, then guess what? Basically, any pitch against you is going to work. So first, let's work on the fastball, and then we'll work on the off-speed pitch, Alec Thomas, because there's as bad as his... Oh, let me not say it like that. As much as his bat has struggled in the second half of the season, the reason he's still out there in the lineup is because of what he can do with his glove. We know about Alec Thomas as the defensive center fielder. I've talked about it a ton. I cannot wait for the end of the season where he comes out with his defensive highlight reel. You see all the wall catches, all the home run robberies, all the sliding catches, the diving stops, the crazy relay throws. It's going to be an insane reel for Alec Thomas at the end of the season, and I think he could have a chance to win a gold glove this year. We'll see on the sample size he has if it's large enough to win a gold glove, but right now, I think he's like tied for third among all major league center fielders with seven defensive runs saved and tied for six with six outs above average. Like Defensively, he's elite. Speed is also very good of guys with, I think, at least 100 plate appearances. Alec Thomas ranks 11th in sprint speed. It's like 29.3. Um whatever feet per second I think is how they rate it for sprint speed so defensively he can stay in your lineup because he's never going to be a liability he's arguably the best defensive center fielder in baseball already so that's going to be a positive keep in keep him in his lineup keep him in the lineup um, over the course of his career plus his speed as long as he's pretty quick that's going to keep him in the lineup too so he could be a guy that steals bases um, pinch runner maybe take an extra base when a guy hits a single and he's on first base so there are areas he can help out a team even when his bat isn't doing great but he clearly has to improve that bat because right now his chase rate is 35 percent well above the major league average of around 28 percent and also his ground ball rate is above 50 percent it's like 57 percent that's the second highest in the majors if he would qualify because he just doesn't have enough plate appearances to qualify so ground ball rate pretty high chase rate pretty high like that's not stuff you'd like to see and if you just dive a little bit further into the splits for Alec Thomas of course he hasn't really been great against righties or lefties this year but really against lefties he's been absolutely terrible 481 OPS and a 202 average against lefties this year. He hasn't been reliable in the clutch situations. 200 average and a 581 OPS with runners in scoring position and a 479 OPS in high leverage moments. The best players I like are the ones I can trust in the high leverage clutch moments, the toughest moments of the game where you know your back is your back is against the wall. There's a man on second. There might be one out. There might be two outs, but I got to get that guy home because I need the extra insurance runs or I'm trying to, um, you know, take away and, and chip away at the lead like. I need those clutch moments. Not everything is going to be bases loaded, no outs, or a man on third, one out, easy RBI opportunity. Sometimes you have to go out there and take your RBI opportunities, and we haven't seen enough of that from Alec Thomas this season. Of the players on the D-backs with at least 250 plate appearances, he's bottom two in launch angle, exit velocity, hard hit percentage, and barrel percentage. So he has to get the bat in a sweeter spot when it comes when that ball's coming in because right now he's just not making great contact and he's someone that looks like a great contact hitter but he's just not barreling up the ball he's just missing his pitches and when you talk about when I guess not when you talk about when Alec Thomas talks about his timing be a little bit his timing is a little bit off this is exact uh illustration of that timing being off launch angle exit velocity hard hit percentage barrel percentage sweet spot uh sweet spot percentage those are all basically statistics that show you how well you're making contact with the ball. And Thomas, talking about how his timing is off, 
it, it it makes sense when you look at the stats. So for Thomas, he's still, I think, someone that could be at the top of your lineup, still be a table setter, someone that could still hit 300. Maybe he's a borderline all-star player throughout his major league career, but he's never going to get that if he doesn't improve his bat. Want to see him improve against fastball first, then the off-speed pitches next. But Thomas, you're still a guy I trust a lot. You're still a pretty highly rated prospect. Um, I guess you're not a prospect anymore, but you're pretty highly rated come through the farm system when you were a prospect, and you're still someone I believe in. So Thomas, I believe that you can definitely turn it around. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And as we get to the very end of the season here, we keep seeing guys get a chance to debut and make their starts. And had another one of those at the end of last week. Dre Jamison, pitcher for the Diamondbacks, and outfielder Matt Walner for the Twins both debuted over the weekend. So Jamison, uh, he went first. Thursday, September 15th versus the Padres. And uh, spoiler alert, it was a good start. Seven innings pitched, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts, no runs allowed. And it's funny because on September 5th, Ryan Nelson had debuted against the Padres and threw seven scoreless innings himself. Uh, They are the first teammates to throw seven scoreless innings in their debut in the same season since 2002 and in this case they did it against the same team but okay so Dre Jamison 2019 first rounder out of Ball State six foot 165 Uh, I really want to get an updated weight I don't think 165 is still accurate from what I saw of him but uh, what I can say is the start went very very well Uh, to kind of give you an idea of, of, of his arsenal So, four-seam fastball throws it in the upper 90s. I'd call that a plus pitch. The slider is 70-grade. It's probably the best slider in the Diamondbacks system right now. He can get swing and miss with it. He can get guys to chase. It's good in both ways. He throws a two-seamer as well, can tunnel it really well off of the four-seamer. So, it looks kind of the same thing. Changeup is above average. Kind of looks like a splitter as far as the action that it has. Has an average curveball as well. And when you watch the start, what I like about what Dre Jamison did is he got ahead in the count quite a bit. So he'd like to open guys up first pitch strike, trying to get in there, trying to get uh, the at-bat started off correctly. When he did get behind, he'd use a slider to get a ground ball or soft contact. Ended up getting 10 ground ball outs in the seven innings. Uh, Gave up a double and a single were the two hits, and both of those, I believe, are the same guy. So, you know, to Brandon Drury. So, d- did well at uh, taking what the, the the Padres gave him as far as openings and how to pitch. He had a, he had one inning where he walked he walked Josh Bell, and then Drury got a hit, and so he came, he turned around with two strikeouts to end the inning. Uh, but. Uh, Thoughts here that I noticed, four-seam fastball, a lot of it was down and in to righties, predominantly fastball. Second pitch was the, was the, um, the sinker, two, uh, threw it down and in as well, but threw it for strikes, 
down and in versus the four-seamer where it was mostly inside and off the plate. Uh, through nine change-ups, most of those were up and away to righties. Uh, backdoored some sliders. I think he threw about 15 of those and threw a single curveball down and away. Uh, I'm amazed that he was so successful despite not featuring the slider. The slider is his best pitch. Uh, backdoored it pretty well, like I said. Got some some strikeouts there. But kind of felt like it wouldn't have been third in the order or you know in the pitch mix. Uh, but again, he was focusing on using the, the the sinker when he fell behind to get a ground ball or some soft contact to get out of the inning. Uh, it worked pretty well. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, you have to be excited about seeing Nelson and then Jamison come up back-to-back and do it. Because we've talked on this show now a couple times, both ourselves and with Miller Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks. The position player futures for this team look fantastic. They've got guys coming up all across the diamond and plenty of options. The question was, what is the pitching going to do? When is the pitching going to be there? And Nelson and Jamison both came up, looked really good. And uh, this is something, part of it, they were they were both throwing to Carson Kelly. I wonder if Carson Kelly, being the veteran, has a little bit there. Um, but either way, both these guys looked really good. And if these are the kind of outings you can expect from these rookie pitchers to finish the season and then to break spring training next year, I don't think you're going to have a top 10 pick again if you're the Diamondbacks. You're going to be picking higher than that. You're going to be competing, maybe not for the division, given where you play, but competing for the wild card uh, and legitimately making some noise uh, in Major League Baseball. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. That was Lindsey Crosby of Locked on MLB Prospects. You heard at the end, breaking down Dre Jamison's debut. So we thank Lindsey Crosby for sending out that audio over to us. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on MLB with my pal Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.